now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing Him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to His word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I said amen. amen. The Lord will give you understanding today in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Insight and knowledge. Wisdom, understanding. Receive it again today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right, can you go, just turn around, greet about three, four people Tell them God bless you. You are welcome to insight. You are welcome to understanding. All right, once you've done that, please take your seats. The Lord is good. And I just so we can get back to what we have been talking about, quickly open your Bibles to the book of um, Mark chapter 11. The book of Mark chapter 11. We have been reading it for some time. Just uh, pick it up again today from there just to uh, use it to connect with the spirit of what we have been talking about. Here we saw the, um, the testimony, the story about Jesus Christ uh, when he cursed the tree. And of course we know that um, the Bible says in verse 20, as they, were, as they were passing by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots up. Being reminded, verse 21, Peter said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered. Jesus answered, saying to them, have faith in God constantly. If you read the Amplified Bible, it tells us that, that the spirit of what the Lord was saying was a constancy of faith. Constancy of faith. He said, have faith in God constantly. Truly I say to you, if you have faith in God constantly, I'm amplifying that now, whatever you say, that whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart. We've talked about this before. It's not as if you just determine that today, oh, I no go doubt. No. It's if he finds confidence in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. Please f- follow that. Therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, they will be granted you. And I haven't studied up, up and down, read different portions of the Bible, This verse 24, this is how I read it. Now, I'm not rewriting what Jesus said. I just believe that this is exactly what he said. This was the spirit with which he spoke. He said, whatever he said, um, verse 24, Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, if you can believe that you are receiving them, they will be granted you. That's what I wanted to bear in mind. What the Lord Jesus was saying is is my understanding of it. Of course, he didn't speak in English, he spoke in Greek. And it was now interpreted, okay, to, that is the original text here was in Greek, now interpreted for us in English. And so after reading many scriptures together, I believe that what Jesus was saying is that if you find in you the capacity to believe, it's not as if you just make up your mind, today I want to believe. No, that's the mistake we make. If you find in you the capacity to believe. Now that is not as if I'm trying to explain that some people have it by divine arrangement because they are special and some don't because God has decided, all right, from the beginning that they will not have it. 
That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying some people are special and some are not. What I'm saying is that it is not the time you need faith. You will close your eyes, all right, steal your heart, and decide that today I want to believe. That is not how it works. You either have the capacity to believe, which you have developed over time, or you don't. That's my emphasis, that you have developed over time. If you have always been a doubter, the day of need for faith to move a mountain, you are not going to suddenly find the capacity inside you because today you are sure you want the mountain to move and you have learned a lot of stubbornness, so you close your eyes and say, no, I will not agree. Faith and I will not agree are not the same things. Are you getting my point? Yes, faith and I know go agree. They are two different things. There was a time Israel, God told them, go into the promised land. They did not have that capacity in themselves to accept what God has said to them. So they said, let's go and spy. So God said, no problem, go ahead and go and spy. And they went ahead and spied. And after spying, they came back and said, it's a good land, but we cannot go in. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, now the faith in them was not present. Only Joshua and Caleb had the faith. And then the rest of the people believed the ten spies. Now, God, now, of course, I'm not going to give you the detail of the story because you know them already. All right. God now came and placed a curse or right, expressed his anger against the congregation. Then you know the next thing they did? They said, right now, we are going to go inside. I hope you're getting my point. So they turned around and entered into the promised land and the Canaanites walloped them big time. Why? Because faith and stubbornness are not the same things. I hope you're getting what I'm explaining here. At that point, there was no faith in their hearts. My pastor said those days, it's because, now this is why he explained it, understand something about it, you may not take it literally, but he said it is because they had not been eating manna with joy. It's because they had been desiring the garlic and the cucumbers and the things of Egypt. Their hearts were in Egypt, but Caleb and Joshua had been feeding on the manna from heaven, and they enjoyed the manna that God gave to them, so that thing built faith in their hearts. They were not longing for the cucumbers in Egypt. They were not longing for the garlic and all the barbecue and all of that, barbecues and all of that. What they wanted was what God gave to them. They fed on manna, which we have now come to understand is the word of God. Having fed on it constantly, the capacity to believe God was inside their hearts. So when they saw the giants, they were not impressed with the giants. They were impressed with the fact that God is a man of war. Are you getting my point? And that he is with them. So he said, if God is with us, then their defenses have departed away from them, and we can take the land. I'm going to emphasize that they said that not because, please that, follow me, not because they said, today I have made up my mind, I will believe. They were not thinking about believing. I hope you're getting my point. They were just walking naturally. This issue of believe or don't believe only comes up when we have to discuss some issues. When we are walking naturally, Okay, we are either believing or we are not believing. It's not that we want to now make up our mind. See, faith is either your way of life or it is not. And that's what I've been trying. I told this in Abakaliki for a number of weeks. That faith is, is either your way of life or it is not. It's not something you take. It's not like a piece of cloth. All right? You have many of it. So today, I'm not using this shirt. I've not worn this my suit in a while. Now I'm traveling. It's going to be cold. So I have this thick suit that will be nice. To keep me warm. So I go and take it. Then when I come back from the place where the cold is, alright, and I come back to my temperate, the, uh, the hot um, tropical environment, and I discard it. So where is my coat? It's in the closet. I don't need it now. That's not what faith is. Faith is something. It's a cloak that's on you. It's like your skin. 
is on you all the time. You don't drop it when you need it, uh, when you do feel you don't need it, and pick it up when you suddenly feel you need it. When you behave like that, you are breaking that principle that Jesus teach, is teaching us here. When he says, have faith all the time. The faith that works, the faith that moves mountains, is the faith that you have all the time. That's what I've been trying to explain. And so we said there are four areas of life, all right, in which we must exercise our faith, use our faith constantly. And that way we'll be able to, of course, like we say, use, have faith all the time. Our faith will now be built up so that the time we come, we speak to a mountain. We will not even know we spoke to the mountain. I've said this many times. I don't think Jesus was trying to kill the tree as in, Peter, hold me on this side. James, hold me on this side. John, stand behind me. I'm about to release power. Everybody say, power, power from heaven. What Jesus kill a tree? No, that's not what he was trying to do. He just spoke kind of casually. Which is why I say that let's be careful what we enjoy in our casual moments. You know, many of us want to enjoy bad things in our casual moments, yet have strong faith in the times that we are serious. Let's be very, very careful. Like I said, don't joke about things we can't take literally. Make it a practice that even if they were taking things literally, I mean, you still will be blessed. Are you getting my point? <laughs> don't do mockery of holy things. It's very, very crucial, you know. I discussed that last time. So, if, if like I, the example I gave, if your husband is going out, don't tell him late, late, come back on time. Don't, your, why can't you call your husband late, late? Are you alright? Are you getting what I'm trying to say? <laughs> Just say, ah, my husband, go, it is well with you today. I'm sure we'll see you on time. That is better. Do you follow my point? You say, I was only joking. Don't joke about bad things. We said this because our faith has to be a constant habit. It has to be, we discussed this last time, just reviewing briefly. So, four areas of life we say in which we make our faith constant. What are the four areas? Let's go back to them again, not in a particular order, because I don't, I don't have the list in a particular order in my mind. Okay, number one, your expectations for life. Okay, we talked about that. Then number two, your interpretation. Yes, I should have put that as number one because we've been talking about that for some time. How do you understand life? He said, by faith we understand. Remember, I said these are decisions we deliberately make. That is, you make up your mind. I want to follow God in this manner that my life will be interpreted by faith. My life will be interpreted by faith. If I trip and I fall, I interpret it by faith. If I stand and I win, I interpret it by faith. Do you understand what I'm going to explain here? That is, if you are, for example, now you go for an exam and the exam you, you, um, you did very, very well. You turn around and why, why did I do well? You have a choice of two. Like somebody said, one man went for an exam. He said, this is why it's good to be loyal. I looked at him that you have shame on you. Are you getting my point? You feel like loyalty is what got you here. You feel like because it's a postgraduate matter, that by impressing the examiners, you know, by doing yes, I yes, I prostrate, prostrate. I, I said, this guy, you won't go far in life if you continue reasoning like this. Because sometimes God will have to come and show you that the power belongs to God. He will let you please everybody, then he will fail you. Are you getting my point? Because he never trusted in him. He just wants to show you that the power belongs to God. So one of the things you do is that you deliberately, remember, you deliberately do it. You make up your mind. All right? So I passed this exam. Now listen to me. You read very well. Listen to me. People think that you have natural intelligence. You, there's no part of that subject you did not know. You went for the exam. You passed. Why did you pass? Hard work, hard work pace. That is carnal interpretation. Diligence pace. That's carnal interpretation. Why did you pass? You say, God showed me favor. You quote a scripture. He surrounds the righteous with favor as with a shield. Not from the east, nor from the west comes exaltation or from the south. But God is judge. 
He brings down one and lifts up another. He said, why did I pass? Because the Lord has granted me success. It's deliberate. You do that deliberately. You never ascribe anything as coming out of your own flesh. These are the practices of faith we are talking about. Even though you have reason, Paul says something. Even though I had reason to have confidence in, in the flesh. He said, but no, I will not have any confidence in the flesh. If I, if I want to have confidence in the flesh, let me tell you, I have reason to be confident in the flesh. Of, you know, of, um, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews from the tribe of Benjamin. You know, I, I was doing this one, a Pharisee of Pharisees and all of that. He discovered all of those things. He said, but the things that were what? Precious to me, these things I have counted as what? Dung. That I might attain to the knowledge. It's something else you are going for. That is, yes, we know you are naturally intelligent. But you look at intelligence as intelligence, you are not my lifter. You do it, you are passing the exam. Yet you say intelligence, you are not my lifter. Natural intelligence, you are not my lifter. I want to be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own. That's what Paul said. So I want to be found in this life. Not having a success derived from my own flesh. Many years ago, I came in contact with this scripture. He said, Behold, I will cause prosperity to flow towards you like a river, and the wealth of the nations like an overflowing stream. Now, this is where, this is where I'm going. So, if I get paid a salary, I quote that scripture. Even though 200 and, okay, 300 people of my keda got paid the same amount of money at the same time, but that's their problem. May I quote my scripture? If somebody comes up to me and says, Pastor, you've been a blessing, and gives me 2,000 naira, as soon as you leave, I will bless you right there, take the money from you, I bless you, then I utter it under my breath. Father, I thank you, because you are causing prosperity to flow towards me like a river, and the wealth of the nations like an overflowing stream. Somebody gives me a gift, I receive it, I bless you. Then I quote the scripture, Father, Thank you, because you are the one lifting me up. You are confirming your word in my life, which says, Behold, I will cause prosperity to flow towards you like a river, and the wealth of the nation like, like an overflowing stream. If you don't do like that, eventually you will fail in life. Listen, listen, people of God, make sure you make up your mind. You want to live in an area where Satan does not have power. You know, I say that all the time. <laughs> Many of us dabble into it. We want to, we live our lives in such a manner that Satan can wear his gloves and jump into our boxing ring and knock us out like Joshua was knocked out. Anthony Joshua. People have been writing, you know, spiritual articles on that thing. A fat man knocked a fit man out. These are heavyweight boxers. Somebody said, these are, that the six pack will fail you. You know <laughs> They put a picture of, is it Ruiz, whatever, Ruiz, whatever his name is. And really, I didn't watch that thing, you know. After Anthony Joshua was knocked out and I woke up, I said, what's going on here? You see one man with pot belly. Can you believe it? Pot belly. Knocked out Anthony Joshua. I have a conviction. If he had brought a strong man, Anthony Joshua would have won. That's what I think. But Anthony Joshua looked at it. When he saw the man's pot belly, he said, this one, uh, my minor. That man was wider down here than up here, which is unusual for a heavyweight boxer. But he pummeled Joshua. Joshua was falling and rising, falling and rising, like Roman Empire and other empires. After everybody said, Meme, end this fight before we kill somebody here. Now, what I'm going to say, if you don't, see, 
I can't start telling you stories. God has shown me this from experience over time. This word has been proven in my life. If you focus on your person, oh, you know, I, the Lord, you know, <laughs> he knew from my mother's, from my mother's womb that I was going to be a preacher. So he started using many things to form me. Form in my mother's womb. Yes, that's one. Then experience started using his bank. Learn this one. Every time I have bragged on my flesh in my life, I have failed. That I can remember. When I say simple things like who has a pen, who doesn't have a pen from secondary school? Who can play table tennis? Who can play table tennis? Who will get the highest? Who will not get the highest? From the time I was young, every time I bragged on my strength, there was one angel God sent with me since I was young. said, teach that guy a lesson. Make sure he can represent me properly when he holds the Bible. Some of these dozen people preach, you know, this, uh, so you see, so you see, so you see, so you see. You know how I learned that it's not true? Apart from the fact that it was not in the Bible. <laughs> one major reason I learned it's not true was that after I read one book, let me not quote the name of the book for you, as a student. I decided to sow a seed for something. God said, okay. You will see. She has been blessing you all this while. You, you think you're, you need your own strength to build you, to build you this, how did the Kadesa say it again? Is this not Babylon the great, which I built the strength of my mind for the glory of my majesty? You want to use the glory of your own common sense, Abi? You want to sow seed? Now I go sow seed, my brother. I'm not sure say I don't broke like that in my life on that campus. I was broke. I still remember that day. You know what? God, Father God, I worship you. I will save you forever. You know what I'm saying, so? As I finished reading that book, I was bubbly. I wanted to operate the things I read in the book. But this was just looking. No problem. One of my classmates just saw me on the way. He said, Bank, I was, ah, thank God I saw you. I need money. Before he finished saying it, I had sown a seed into his life. He was surprised. Good money. The guy I'm talking about now is a professor today. I still remember. I dashed him. I was a Christian. He see you. He was happy. And I was happy. <laughs> then I began to declare. They said, once you sow the seed, God will multiply it. God ensured that <laughs> the one I thought I had, he collected that one too. Bros, I went broke. I said, this was not what they said though. <laughs> After that, I went back to the gospel of grace that I understood. I said, please, people should leave me alone. One one brother, so I, I think I brought up that matter or another issue. They say, so you tight when you tight, you tight, tight, you know, tight. God said, prove me now. I sat with this, my brethren. I said, let's go through the scriptures. This thing does not fit what you guys taught us about the word of God. They said, no, God said, prove me now. I said, okay, 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 okay. They said, we should experiment and do what? Prove him now. Thank God for my parents. They sent money again, as they always, they always will send. So my money arrived. What did they say to me? Prove me now. That two things. I will command a blessing and rebuke the devourer. No trouble. I've been on that, in that school for a long time. Devourers seem not to have noticed me. <laughs> Until I decided to what? Prove him now. Hallelujah. After I finished giving the tithe, the Lord just said, you know, the Lord just whistled. The one devourer showed up. He said, that's my guy. Have you considered my servant banking? <laughs> that also happened in heaven. They said, have you considered my servant bank? Student, I hung my clothes outside. The devourer just went there. <laughs> Collected everything. Ah! All this while, God has been taking care of me. 
Oh God, again, this time around again, I went broke. So I went and met the brother that preached the gospel. Ross, that day you said we should prove him what? Now. now. I said, I have proven him now, and it did not work like you said. He said, it's a seed. I said, hey, wait, he didn't say seed that day. <laughs> that it takes time. You need to nurture it. One evening, I just, just threw away the doctrine. Nonsense. I just threw away the doctrine. Now, I'm not leaving it by experience. That's, that, that's not what I'm going to say. Before that, I had understanding. But they said, no, no. Okay, good. Let us prove him now. After that, I collected my Bible. I said, Father God, I walk by grace. I believe in the gospel that you, Jesus taught us. Whatever we ask in his name. Thank you. This seed sowing is not my portion. It's not. Giving is my portion. Somebody say amen. Amen. God loves a cheerful what? Giver. Christians, we give as a habit. We are not using it to collect something from anybody. We don't send a sacrifice to the, to the Lord and tie a rope to it with it. Hold it here. As Aaron. <laughs> when you finish sacrificing that thing, if he does not multiply into 10 cows, I'm pulling it back. Which is what Christians do when they give and start waiting for it to mature. I'm sorry to say that thing is not the word of God. It's not the word of God. If you want anything from God, what do you do? You ask, how? In the name of Jesus. I know why I went, how I got into that. You deliberately, that's what I'm saying, walk away from the place of your flesh because that is where Satan has power. You deliberately walk away from where your own works is what is speaking for you into a place where only the grace and the blood of Jesus is speaking for you. Satan doesn't have power there. That's the point I'm trying to make. So I want to pray. I say, God, I need something. Oh God, I want to increase my family. Give me a child. Give me a uh, promotion. Give me a wife. Give me a husband. Look at all the things I have done for you. Good, that's it. Satan just jump. You know why? You have come to a level where he can talk. You are not speaking his language. The gospel of works. He will just jump there and say, Lord, last year I gave 25,000 naira for this project. Six months ago, I gave 100,000 naira. And this one, ah, is my seed. My spirit will speak in heaven. Listen to me, I'm giving you the word of God, I'm not lying to you. Immediately Satan will appear. And say, three weeks ago, his mother called him, he was busy, did not answer the call. Say, I'll call her later. Three days later, he has not yet called back. He said, is that not a small thing? Who said so? Go and read your Bible very well. It's not a small thing, it's your mother I'm talking about. It's your father I'm talking about. It's marked against you. The day you went to work by 8.15 and you signed 8 o'clock, Satan will remind the Lord. Foolish boy, look at him, he lied. It says only 15 minutes. I'm not saying it's the time. I say it's lie. Lie na lie. The day his friend bought a car and in his heart he was not happy. That's part of it. Lord, see, he did not rejoice at the progress of other people. He will, by the time he's finished, he's, he's done with you. Even God can't bless you. I know what I'm saying. No. Can't is the word I use though. He will look. How do I bless this one now? Why? The accusation against him is too great. Now, that's not even the problem. The problem is that Jesus cannot talk. Jesus can't talk. How can Jesus talk? You think they don't have order there? At that point in time, Jesus will recuse himself from your case. Why? It's not his fault. You did not come in the power of his name. You came in the power of your good works. And you empowered the devil in your life. 
Christians, listen. So when you want to pray, please, I've said this thing so many times, I don't know why I'm preaching against today, again today. When you want to pray, just kneel and say, Father God, you know you are good. Let me just dance more because of your goodness. You will dance, 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 dance. Lord, I want to thank you for Jesus died for me. And Jesus, come, let me just thank you. You worship, lie down the ground. Why? Because of your goodness. Now, before I go, Lord, you know, you promised in your goodness that no good thing will you withhold from me and Jesus has paid for it. It's not me, it's not me. What me? Who am I? I'm asking you in the name of Jesus. Answer for me now. In the name of Jesus. By the power of the blood of Jesus. At that point, all Satan can see is redness. All of you are under a shield of red. Fire burning. Whether it is blood or fire, he doesn't know the difference. All he knows is that if you come near, you get injured. He can't accuse. Because you did not approach him on the basis of works. I call it third heaven level operations. That's third heaven level. Satan can't talk there. Whether good or bad, in that third heaven level, what you yourself did is not what is counted. Now that is not to say good works do not count. I didn't say that. Let's just leave it like this. God knows how he processes it. He processes the good works that we do. And those works actually, as a matter of fact, are only as good as their reflection of your faith. They are not being counted in themselves. They are counted only as they reflect something. So if I do good works, my works can re- reflect my copycat attitude. I hope you're getting my point. Paul was preaching. They put him in prison. Some people went to preach just to show him whether you are there or not. Preaching will go on. You know, people did like that. They were preaching, but you, you wouldn't know. You can't judge what's going on in the hearts of people. Are you getting my point? Some will preach because somebody told them that the more the number of souls they win, the bigger their mansion in heaven. All the preaching is selfishness. Do you understand that? The whole preaching is selfishness. So, God doesn't bless it. So the good works that count in themselves, they are nothing really, even the ones that count. It's just the faith they truly reflect. The love that's inside the heart. If you go and read the story of Cornelius, that people try to make it look like, uh, just do like Cornelius, blessing is coming. Go and check it. Cornelius did his work continually. It was a reflection of the faith he had in the God of Israel. And that was what God honored. Let's bear these things in mind, okay? But let me not leave my main message. My main message is the fact that we do these things deliberately. We do these things deliberately. We make up our minds. This is the level at which I want to walk. I don't want to walk in the second heaven level. I want to walk in the third heaven level. So no matter how naturally endowed I am, if I see results from it, I don't mistakenly ascribe the result in my life into to my natural endowment. No, I don't. I deliberately give the glory to God. I hope you're getting my point. So you won't say that eh, it's because I've done this. That's why this one is coming to me. No, we will thank God. Father, this is a result of your favor. So I work somewhere and I work hard and they pay me. I don't say, yes, this is a result of my diligence. No. Father, I thank you 
Because you again, you that supply for the birds of the air, you that dress, you know, you they are the one that dresses up the, the, the grasses of the field. You have dressed me up again with this money. I give you thanks in the name of Jesus. Listen, there were many people in prison, the time of Joseph. I hope you get my point. Many of them unjustly, and a lot died there. I hope you get my point. The fact that we're all in prison does not mean we are going to the same place. That's what I mean. So we're all earning salaries from the same office, doing the same work, does not mean we are getting money for the same reasons. Believers, we deliberately, we deliberately connect our lives to third heaven operations. That's why I give that example. If you will give me 20 naira now, I will still quote a scripture in my heart. Father, thank you for your faithfulness. Because you are fulfilling a word that says, Behold, I will cause prosperity to flow towards you like a river. And the wealth of the nations like an overflowing stream. And I'm talking 20 naira here. Even if it's a salary, the same thing. Even if it's a return on investment, the same thing. I hope you're getting my point. I will still quote the scripture. Not, ah, this investment is good, though. <laughs> the other day, many years ago, <laughs> my mother said, look, I should come and buy land somewhere. And I had some loose money. So, as God lives, I'm not lying. I bought the land only because, I said, so that she will feel happy that her son is making progress. I didn't need the land for anything. I just said, with this one now, my mother will be happy. You know, the way it is, like, ah, your, your mates are living in their own houses now. Or everything your mate, your mate, your mother is comparing, okay? I saw that big one, big. So, I saw it for the first time almost 10 years later. Almost 10 years later, I saw it for the first time. As soon as I saw it, I shook my head. This is worthless to me. And I walked away. I told my sister, who lives in the city there, I said, sell it. Everything. I don't want it again. So she sold it. But then she gave me the money. Father in heaven. The money was good, though. I won't lie to you. <laughs> my money had increased almost tenfold. Yes. Almost. Not bad. It's thereabout. So, my wife and I were now discussing. I said, well, this turned out to be a good investment, though. Even though it was not an investment. I, I, what I've told is the whole truth. <laughs> so I was, not, I was not telling my mother, it would be a mistake. Now listen to this, this is where I'm going. To now say, wow, now they make money for land business. You go and look for land again and put your money. God will say, no problem, no problem. This is how you like it, there's no wahala. Next thing you will hear is that one government will just come, just appropriate and repropriate and administrate and collect everything. And compensate you with 15% of what you paid for it. Or to be Erufai, who will say it's not in the master plan? <laughs> Erufai will look at you and draw a road. They'll show you that 200 years ago, those who planned the place, they put road on it. So no compensation for you. Or sometimes, you know what you will find? It's not even government, it's local boys. They will resell it on you. They now come with C of O. Then you now go to court. Eight years later, you will now die. Then your children will continue the case. <laughs> then finally, two of them will go to America. <laughs> Make a long story short. Then one day, the judge will just get tired. And I award the other people because of 
what do you call it in law again? Poor deal prosecution, something like that. Lack of diligent prosecution or something like that. They just throw away the case. You've lost. One of our sisters said the mother warned her never to buy land. She started working and any money. Her father was like, now that you have any money, flew for a way to secure your money. Her mother said, if you buy, if you buy one foot of land. <laughs> Why? Because her own experience, bad. So that day my wife and I were talking. I said, okay, let's not even mistakenly think this is a wise investment. How did I interpret it? I said simply, he's causing prosperity to flow towards me like a river. And the wealth of the nations like an overflowing stream. Says, Pastor, is it wrong to buy land and invest in it? No, did I say so? It's just not my assignment. You that God has given the duty of buying land and multiplying money by it, He will give you the grace to stand all this trouble I have described. When it comes upon you, it will not overwhelm you in Jesus' name. As for me and my house, we will preach the gospel. That's where my own energy is. Now, please, remember what I've been saying again and again. We do what? Deliberately. Move ourselves to the third heaven levels. It's deliberate. It's deliberate. If you have trouble and policemen happen to be not too far from you, their station, and you call and a team showed up with guns and then they rescue you from trouble, don't mistakenly go out and say, ah, that is why it's good to live near the police station. No? As soon as those criminals arrived, my son just escaped through the back and called the policeman. Ah, it's good. So when your friend wants to rent a house, say, any, any station nearby? Say why? Because last year, ha, listen to me, children of God, if you dare that, you know what happened? Next time, it will be in the front of SAS headquarters. No, they call SAS. Special anti-robbery squad. In front of their gate. Boys without weapon. They will beat you. No weapon, no. They will just say, okay, boza for your face. Give me that phone. You will say on that boza, yeah, transfer 500,000. Bring out your app. And you, will, you know, you're going to look over the fence. So that's us, no go see. The Lord will create a spirit of stupor that day. And pour on the policemen. They, they won't notice you. You see them outside playing. Even cocking their gun and training. They go, they just gisting. Serious beating. When they are done with you that day, you will now remember that safety is of the Lord. What I have told you is not a joke. That's how God deals with the children. Once I, that's why long ago I learned it. By strength shall no man prevail. By strength shall no man prevail. Remember, we look, do, see, let me tell you something. Temptations, there are different kinds of temptations in life. The lowest level of temptation, those small ones, is the one in which, as a man, maybe you travel. You've not been home for one month. One woman will now wear dress with a chair. Come put breasts on your face. That is low level. T- That's not temptation. You know why? You're a man of God. <laughs> You're a serious Christian. Satan has more sense than that. He knows you. You know the real temptation? I'll tell you what they call temptation. 
It's not that you enter political office, you are not hungry. Now say, okay, let's share 10 million naira and not pay pensioners. You won't dare that. You want to live longer. So if you overcome that one, don't think in heaven they are praising you. This is a good man, faithful to his wife. They say, come on, get away. Boys who don't know a quarter of what you know, they don't fall for such things. Why am I even impressed? What they call temptation? I'll tell you what they call temptation. You will start a church, man of God. After one year, the congregation will be 500. You now go and start Bible school. Seven keys to church growth. That's what they call temptation. That is the real temptation that ends people. Because you started preaching, after one year, you have 500 people. Two years, there are 5,000. You now go and start seven keys to church growth. When I started in ministry that time, I saw it. I knew exactly what to do. These are the seven keys used in the Sarah Desert. The church, your church will grow. <laughs> These seven keys I'm about to deliver to you was what brought me here. God said, okay. If the Lord loves you, you know what he will do if he, if he has not given up on you. When you finish teaching that seminar and 200 pastors have come to learn from you and they have gone their separate ways, in one month after, your congregation will drop from 5,000 to 4,000. At the end of one year, you'll be back to 200. And you'll be wondering what happened. If you won't know what happened, the one angel will not tap your shoulder. Replay that message for you. Then you'll come back to church and say, Brethren, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Once you say it like that, once free we wake everybody up, they just return to church. Then you call on that minister's conference to apologize for the lies you told. That's what they call temptation. That is what they call temptation. I mean, real ones. So all of this is, I'm saying, they are temptation. I'm talking about the real powerful temptations. That is what, that, that was what got Nebuchadnezzar. And listen, Nebuchadnezzar had a reason. So he looked and said, is this not Babylon the Great? Which I by myself built with the strength of my might. Why? For the glory of my majesty. What else? I can do it again. Carry me to Mars. I will conquer kingdoms. Because I know the technology and the keys. I know how to hire generals and to fire privates. I know how to recruit policemen and naval officers. We have the best strategy for military planning. God said, eh, all right. Let's explain this point to you. That's the temptation. So he said to Israel, thou shalt what? Remember. He said, because a time will come, your flock will multiply. Your fields will greatly increase. Ah, you will see everything happening beautifully around you. And that's why what I call the simplicity of divine intervention. When God does something for you, sometimes it looks so simple and so reasonable as if you could have done it yourself. Say, God, I was even asking you, I could have done this. That's what happens. It just it comes simply. The first time Joshua attacked I, that city, he went with 3,000 soldiers because he said that, uh uh-uh. uh, the men said they are not many. They defeated them. When he went back the second time, he went with 30,000 soldiers. Now this is the point. If you are not careful, the lesson you will learn from it is, go with enough soldiers. But that is carnality. That is temptation. 
Because if you don't read in between the lines, you wouldn't understand that what happened was that first when they lost, Joshua did not go to God and say, ah, we lost. Why did we lose oh, 3,000 soldiers? Eh, why were we so stupid? 3,000. He said, no. He went to the Lord and said, ah, what happened? What happened to your inheritance? Why did you turn your back against us? So he put ashes on his head and began to cry before the Lord. And God told him, it is because the soldiers are few. Because my strength is too small when I don't have enough soldiers. That was not what he said. He said, because there's an accosting in the midst of you people. I gave you an instruction. Your men disobeyed it. Immediately, Joshua went after whoever did. And they found Achan. And they took Achan out. Make their restitution, remove the things from the midst of them. Now let's go back to battle. The Lord now gave him wisdom. This time around, go with 30,000 men. Divide them into two companies and all of that. Now, this victory was not because of changing number. In fact, I am convinced, this is my own conviction. Why did God make them go with more this time around? Just to boost the confidence of the fighters. They could have gone with 200 the second time. You would have won. So by the time they won again, Joshua understood. It's not because of number. It's not anything to the Lord to save by a few or save by multitude. He can save by a few. He can save by multitude. Salvation is of the Lord. So if God has used multitude to help you, listen, you will deliberately refuse to give the glory to multitude. You say, Mr. Multitude, you are not getting the glory. I thank God who today saved by multitude. If God decides to save by a few, all glory to him all the same. That is why if you went to hospital and doctor took care of you and you are fine, still give the Lord thanks. Don't say I like this country. The doctors are good. You will soon die. Listen, I'm telling you, I know what I'm telling you. Next time, ordinary malaria, we, malaria will imprison you. Two weeks, they will be giving you dialysis. You say, ah, ordinary malaria. God said, I want you to know that safety is of the Lord. That on your sickbed, say, Lord, please now have mercy on me. Then you will get well. So I say it again. Safety is of the Lord. Healing is of the Lord. I give thanks. Is it, is it the country you are in? The, the health care is good? No. People, they die everywhere, Lord. <laughs> Thank you. That is why Christians, be careful. We are talking about how to exercise your faith. Listen, when you're analyzing things around, be careful, be careful. You know, my classmates, you know, we're always fighting on things like that. And I like to, and I was telling my wife that it upsets me when Christians are the ones not showing the example by talking by faith. Why is it that it's only when you want to pray that the angels realize you are born again? When you're in the office, the angels cannot by your speech identify who you are. Because you analyze the situation of the country like everybody else. At least talk like a believer. It should color the things that you say. Don't be afraid. Say nobody is safe in this country again. And you will say it as a Christian. Why? Because they kidnapped somebody somewhere. And I keep on telling people, come on be reasonable. Americans, by shooting each other, kill more people in one year that have died under Boko Haram since Boko Haram started. Did you hear what I said? I don't have the figures now. 
the amount of people that they kill by shooting each other is more in one year is more than Boko Haram has killed since it started. America has one mass shooting on the average every day. They have over 300 a year. I'm not saying America is bad. I'm just saying Nigeria is also not bad. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Somebody say I'm doing a better past my neighbor. I said, let's face it. Now, you are the one making me look like I, I was past my neighbor before. Let's balance it. We're all bad. In quotes. Safety is of the Lord. There's no security anywhere. There's no security anywhere. I'm not kidding. They have an... an you know what Americans call mass shooting? Let me tell you what they call mass shooting. Let me give an example now. If me, if as a person I'm angry with my friends, maybe we, we sold Igbo, they did not give me my cut of the Igbo sales. So, are you getting my point? So, I now come with two other guys, will not take out a whole gang. Maybe we are gang boys. Are you getting my point? So, we came to the other gang where they are meeting, and there are ten. Three of us killed the ten people. It does not qualify for what they call mass shooting. Mass shooting has to be indiscriminate, purposeless. I don't care who is hit. Yet, what I've told you, they have over 300 every year. And you see here, Nigerians complain that where they are is unsafe. So they are running to America where it is safe. I don't get it. So when believers are talking, that's what I'm making. There are things you don't say. That's the exercise of faith I'm talking about. There are things you don't say. No matter what you see, say, mm, God is good. He will help us. He will protect his own. He will have mercy on us. You declare those things and let it be like that. Remember what I said? We are doing it what? Deliberately. People make it look like hey, you don't have sense. Yes, I don't have common sense. I have spiritual sense. That's why you see Israel, the way God taught them. They will tell you that, I mean, a man mistakenly kills another man. They will say God delivered him into his hands. They say, I can one chase a thousand. Two chase ten thousand. The one thousand and the, two, the ten thousand Israelites. He says it's because their rock gave them up. That's the way they interpret it. When the scribes and the priests were going to write how Saul died. You know what they said? And Saul died for the trespass he committed against the Lord. This is Saul that died in Bartolo. They say Saul died for the trespass he committed against the Lord. In that he went and sought out a witch and inquired of her. So God killed him. That's what they said. Meanwhile, God didn't bring a hand up. You know what they said? God killed him and turned the kingdom over to David. That was how the men of understanding, that's how they wrote it. They have died. God said it's because I enticed him to go to Ramos Gilead that he might perish there. We've been talking about that. Let's open our Bibles. Let's continue from that point. So, okay, I was revising, re- reminding us of some things, right? One. Okay, let's go by over again now. The one we've talked about, how we interpret our lives. Two. The precepts by which we walk. Three. Our expectations for life. Number four. The words that we speak. I want to pick up from that point. 
looking at our expectations for life. We deliberately build these things on the revelation of the word of God. I want us to open to the, to the, um, the book of um, Luke chapter 22. Put your hand in that Luke chapter 22. I want to read something else first. Matthew chapter 16. I'm going to read from verse 13. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, and others Elijah, but still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you shall bind and all of that. For time's sake, I'm just jumping. Verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. Peter, who just a while ago had the revelation from, from the Father. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, stop that nonsense. <coughs> he began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. For you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but on man's interests. That is, your focus is not, you're not looking at life the way the Lord will look at it. You're not looking at things from God's uh, you know, perspective or dimension. Now, what I want to bring out from here, okay, is what the Lord said concerning himself. He said, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and the scribes and be killed and all of that. Now, those were the things that Peter heard. And like somebody who loves the Lord, he did not want these things to happen. It's a natural response. But I'm not talking about Peter. I'm talking about Jesus. Remember, we said four areas we must deliberately build our lives on the word. Number one, Interpreting our life, because we have talked about that, I made that number one now. Number two, building our expectations for life on God's word. Now please, bear the, just hold this, then quickly go back to the book of Luke. We'll go to that Luke 22, but then I'll also go to Luke chapter 24. Maybe I should start with that um, 24 one. That's that 24 area. The story in the book of M, that's the road to Emmaus. Now for time's sake, I'll just go down to the verses that I need. We know the story of how two of them were going 
to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with one another, and then Jesus approached and began traveling with them. And then in verse um, 16 into 17, you see he was asking them, what are these things that you guys are saying? And they wondered who this stranger was that did not know what was going on. He now said, what things? They now told him everything. He now go down to verse 25. And he said to them, O foolish men, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. Now let me just stop reading that one here. Okay, there was one I said we should read earlier. Uh, that's um, Luke 22. Okay, but just bear this one, this one in mind, the one that we have read in this Luke 24. And let me just uh, go back to that uh, Luke 22 quickly. It's about the same thing. Just one or two, two verses I want to bring out. The Garden of Gethsemane, where, where, when he was praying there. You will see what he said in verse um, 42. Let me just have from verse 41. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and began to pray, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Now that's what I'm going to read in that verse 22. Now, why did I read this? Remember I said, next we are looking at is what? Building your life, building your expectations deliberately on the word of God. Now let me say this. Let me start with this. God is re- trying to replicate himself in us. What the Lord is doing is birthing himself in us. That is, on this earth. He says that the word became flesh and dwelt amongst them. That principle does not apply only to the Lord Jesus. That is what the Lord is doing every time. When God wants to live amongst people, what he does is to send a word, that word becomes flesh and begins to dwell on the earth. It is a word that you hear, are you getting me? That forms something in you that is godliness, that is godlike. That is, if God wants to dwell in you, like Paul will say, that he may, Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, what he does is that he pours his thoughts he paused his mind. He paused his will. He paused his reasoning system into you through the words that you hear. Now, those things literally become flesh in you. So, listen to this. If anyone will love what God loves, desire what God desires, think the way God thinks, you understand, and he walks on this earth, he will be open to receive the kind of anointing Jesus received. I hope you are getting my point here. That is what limits God from manifesting himself on the earth is the, is the part of us that, or those parts of us that have not yet been converted into the type of God, into the character of God. Let me give an example. Our desires. For example, one of the things we learn from scriptures, okay, is that there are desires that God wants you to have. There are prayer points God wants you to have. What is worldliness? Worldliness is Learning the things that the world wants you to have or that the flesh wants you to have. Let me give you an example. 
for Eve in the garden. Satan said, you will be wise. Your eyes will be open. You will now be like God. Are you getting my point? Knowing good and evil. What was he saying to Eve? Now you'll be able to decide for yourself. You'll become independent. That's what the flesh wants. You know, like young people, they're always looking forward to when, forward to when they will leave home. True of us? Were you not there? You are looking forward to when the keys to the compound will be with you. You open the door. Nobody will ask you when where you are coming from or where you are going. You can come back home at 1 a.m. Your mother is not waiting and say, where have you been? You are getting my point. And one of the things, when, especially these days, you know, women don't marry like they used to do. Those days, women will marry by the time they are 18, 17. You know, they just moved from their father's house to their uh, husband's homes. But these days, maybe they've worked for some time and not get married. One of the first shockers is loss of independence. <laughs> I can feel you. <laughs> it's one of the first shockers. Suddenly you want to make you a phone call and your husband says, it is too late. Don't dial that phone. And you're like, what did you say? <laughs> and he's not thinking about you. He just said it because he thinks it's the right thing to do. You say you want to call somebody and he takes a look at the, the, at the clock. And says, it's past 10. They should be sleeping. It's a family. So he doesn't even explain. He just says to you, don't call them in the morning. So I want to call them and say, and he just says, I said no. And after saying no, he closes his eyes and wants to continue sleeping. thinking, what? What? <laughs> One of our sisters told me that when she first got of course, of course we were at her wedding in Onicha here, everybody was excited. Later on she testified though. She was feeling very happy. She and her husband they went somewhere, went on a lake, you know, one of those honeymoon things, you know, those kind of things, Tahiti in Nigeria, you know, those kind of <laughs> Then she was, in her excitement she wanted to enter a boat. You know, just a, a you know a canoe. And the man felt it was unsafe, you know, like, ah, please, oh, I just married <laughs> three days ago. <laughs> it's not, not like that. <laughs> so he just felt that. So he just said, no. She said, I'm going to enter this boat. He just said, no, don't enter the boat. And reflex, he said, why? And the guy reflexed, he said, because I said so. <laughs> that was the end of the honeymoon. <laughs> he became bitter leaf moon. Said the rest of the day she didn't talk again. And the man was wondering what is going on. She said she told herself, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> it's a human thing. It's a flesh. Independence. And that was what Satan offered Eve. And she beat it. Took the fruit. Beat it. And that's how it all began. Independence. It's flesh. But what did God want for Adam and Eve? He wanted them to eat. Eventually, they were to be prepared through deliberately. Please read this man. He will help you a lot. Oswald Chambers. Oswald Chambers said what God wanted from Adam was that he would deliberately, step by step, lay down his will. All right? Cast down his will and receive the will of the Father. Now, let me add my own words. That will now prepare him to eat of the tree of life. There was a process. It wasn't as if you could just get up one day, eat of that tree of life. God was preparing them. What will happen is that they will say, ah, I feel like this, so I'm my man. I'm attracted to another man. 
You know what is happening? Which is what happening in the world today. God will say, male and female created he them. You say, okay, how I feel is irrelevant. What matters is what he says. Then I buy what he says. I drink it. I now start thinking the way he thinks. I start feeling the way he feels. What he says is right is what I say is right. No matter how wrong it feels to my body. I hope you're getting my point. For example, Jesus will say, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do good to them that hate you. Do you get my point? So next time you have the opportunity to do an eye for an eye, you do a good for an eye. Do you understand my point? (laughs) Now, it gets to a point, that's how you start feeling. That's where I'm going. The plan of God is, you see, that is worldliness. Worldliness is what I was telling you. Satan offers you what your flesh wants. Satan offers you what the world wants. That's it. Satan will tell you, do this, it makes more money. But one of the things that Jesus taught us and was emphatic about it, that we must not make decisions primarily because of money. Please, I hope you are getting my point here. Now, it gets to a point, we so drink of divine character, we so drink of the divine spirit, we start wanting what God wants. We start, you know, what God approves is what we start approving. So Paul even said it, you will learn to approve the things that are, let me add my words, divinely excellent. Not what the world calls excellent. Listen to me, that is how God births himself on this earth. It gets to a point, you are walking on the earth, it's as if God himself is walking in the very place where you are putting your feet. That happens only as you drink of his will, of his thoughts, of his desires. Uh, you are getting what I'm explaining here. Now, let me na- narrow it down to what we are discussing. What we want in life must be that which God wants us to want. So remember I said your expectations in life must be built on what? The word of God. Now there are two sides to it. There are two sides. There are things that God wants you to have. Let me put it like that. That's one side. Again, there are things that God wants your life to become. That's the other way I'll put it. If I find better words later, I'll use them. But for now, let me just stick with these words. One, there are things he wants you to have. There are things he wants your life to become. Both of them are your expectations. Your desires. They must be built on God's word. I read all these scriptures about the life of the Lord Jesus. To let you know something. His life was not designed from God's original design to end beautifully, in quotes. And this is physical life. It was so bad that when Peter heard it, Peter revolted. That's what I'm talking about. That portion we read from Matthew now. Peter revolted. Peter just said, flesh, uh, Peter just said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Then Jesus now said, okay, now that you have recognized, now listen to this, now that you have recognized that I'm the Christ, what does that mean? It now means I will go to Jerusalem. I'm the Christ. What does it mean? I will be beaten. I'm the Christ. What does it mean? I will be nailed to the cross and I will die in the process. Ah. <laughs> Peter said, no, in that case, you are not the Christ. You are not anything. Just stay here. Ah, look at you. You want to spoil this ministry? We left fishing to come and follow you. You want to die and go where now? 
Are you seeing what I'm saying here? Listen. Listen, listen. Let's get it clear. It is worldliness for us to think that the word of God only gives us food and private jets and fine cars and fine places to live. That's that's not all there is to the word of God. That's not all there is to the blessing of God. Sometimes, I mean, who, let's include Jesus. Who is the most blessed person that ever walked on this earth? Men, women, everything. Including Jesus from Adam till date. Who is the most blessed that has ever stepped on this earth? Jesus, Jesus, uh, the father said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. In case you don't know, his life ended violently. And he described it ahead of time that this is the plan of God. When Paul was called, you know, these days when we preach to people, give your life to Christ and all your problems will go away. In the case of Paul, give your life to Christ and your problems will start. Before that time, he was enjoying himself. Pharisee of Pharisees, Hebrew of Hebrews, you understand? He was popular, he was a good man. I mean, he was a a government official. He was running errands for the chief priests. Then once Jesus appeared to him, you know what Jesus said to Ananias? I'm going to show him what he will suffer for my sake. That was his own altar call. If you are here this evening, you want to give your life to Christ, say, Jesus, I want to serve you. I want to die. I want to be beaten. I want to be beheaded. Come forward. <laughs> that was Paul's altar call. I hope you are getting my point. You know, normally, all of you, if, you are, if you are sick, you are here, you say, ah, this my generational curses must come to an end. All this uh, near success syndrome, it will end today. If you are here like that, some people say you will never marry. If you are like that here, sickness has been your life. Come forward right now. Give your life to Christ, you all go away. That's how we preach. Is that not so? In Paul's case, Jesus gave him an altar call. If you answer this altar call, your life will not be the same again. Now, I'm not saying this is true, okay? I suspect. Some people even said that Paul was married. When he gave his life to Christ, that's how he lost his wife. His wife look and say, you are not serious. It's you that God called, not me. Now, I didn't read that in my Bible. Though. I'm just telling you that some people said. And they, they, the proof they gave was that his, the position he held amongst Jews, they don't give it to single men. They'd be one of the Pharisees or Pharisees. Ah, so you don't Pharisee like that, just be single. The man who said, I can't remember where I read it from, but was trying to explain the cost of discipleship. And that was the end of Now, so Paul remained single all the days of his life. So the day he was called to ministry, he was called to suffering. Let me say something. That suffering was not an afterthought. Before he was formed in the mother's womb, God had already ordained him an apostle to the nations. And already explained that to be on the cutting edge of the move of the church, in that church age, you are going to suffer many things for my name's sake. So if we're selling land, Paul wouldn't buy. Nothing personal. I mean, nothing like um, uh, if you buy land, you will die and go to hell. No. One of the reasons why Paul didn't marry, assuming he wasn't married before, did not remarry, is that it was pointless. Who will raise the children? Are you going to be going on mission and you drag your wife with you? So that when you are shipwrecked, <laughs> you will be saying, where are you? <laughs> Titanic. <laughs> No, it was pointless. In case you don't know how Paul used to live, he would get to a place like Enugu, teach the world for three years, then move from here, he has gone to Calabar. Teach for over two years, from there he has moved to Cameroon. Teach for two years, he has gone to South Africa. 
They have been in South Africa for maybe like six years. You now remember that day was a church started in Enugu. He has sent Timothy there two years before. Then he will now come and come and greet them and see how they are doing. And when he's leaving, he says, I just want you to know you will not see my face again. And they will be crying as if the man is dying. This is the point I'm making. Once he discovered God's word, you know, let me say something to you. Everybody has a word that God has spoken concerning his life. Concerning her life. We discover it gradually. Occasionally you get to a point you know something. There are different ways you get to know it. For example, I got to know it, like now you said, I will give them pastors after my heart who will feed them with knowledge and with understanding. The time I was in university and I began to study the word of God and the teaching grace came upon me. It became the sweetest thing in my life to teach people the word of God. So, because everybody has a part in the book. The longer you walk with God, the longer you walk with the word, the more of your own portion in the book you discover. I hope you are getting my point. And listen, it is not every Christian's portion that ends in private jet. See, let me explain something. It's not something to desire. No, really, let's get it clear. Some of these we have called the mark of ministry. They are not the marks of ministry. They are not the marks of success in ministry. I have given this example again and again. Some of my best examples, so I keep repeating it. Oswald Chambers' wife was called by God to go and marry Oswald Chambers so she could write down everything he said because the Lord knew that the way things were going, either because he ordained it like that, I'm not sure, or because of certain issues around, he knew that angel 43 Oswald Chambers will die and the kind of revelation that man taught, I've not heard any other man teach it till today. There were no trip recorders. So he said, what do I do? So he called the young woman. He said, go and have ideas and dreams of walking in Azorok. So she woke up in her mind and said, ah, I would like to work with the British Prime Minister. Work with the British Prime Minister. What job can I take there? I'll be his secretary. So she went and learned shorthand. And according to the daughter, she was brilliant. She was one of the best. Except that God said, that job I won't give you. She applied for the job. She did not get it. And the Lord just simply commanded truth. Of course, listen to me. Many times God is commanding. You don't hear any words. I need to emphasize that. So people say, how do I pray? Let me until God now just tell me what to do. Listen, just do what is right each point in time. Do what occasion serves you to do. God will keep you busy. You will discover what I'm saying. When God said to Samuel that I will send the king I've chosen to you, Saul did not hear a word. It was missing animals that sent him on an errand, looking for donkeys that were missing. And in that process, after I got frustrated, the man with him said, there's a prophet here, a seer. Let's go and ask him. Meanwhile, God has said to Samuel, that man will come to you at this time tomorrow. Give him that hour, the man will show up. So, Saul appeared with his father's servant, not knowing that he was answering or obeying a divine instruction. So I know what I'm saying when I say that the woman had, that God instructed her to go and marry Oswald Chambers. I don't know exactly the reason why she married him, but she married him. And because she had this incredible shorthand skill, she began to take notes of everything that Oswald Chambers preached. In his own situation, the woman traveled with him by divine arrangement everywhere. So since I began preaching today now, he shall be writing. She went around with paper, scribbled everything he said down. 
You can go and check it. Oswald Chiba has dozens of book, books to his name, but he wrote only one. Go and read James from Genesis. He wrote a commentary on Genesis from the beginning to the end, lifting deep revelations from the life of a man like Abraham. There were two books they compiled, but all of it, he was just teaching. The way I'm teaching, he just used to give lectures, but the woman was taking notes. Did she fly, fly, fly a private jet? No. I don't, know what, I don't know what else she received in this life. But one thing is sure, because of her, all those volumes of Oswald Chambers exist till today. Don't tell me she did not succeed. Did she build a house? I have no idea. Because of her, all those volumes exist till today. So, I'm saying something. As each one of us will be reading the word of God, what he will be doing is to create new desires. The world has created desires for us. At the age of 40, you must have your own house. At the age of 40, you must have all your children. Your last child must be born before you are 40 so that you will be able, by the time you are old and tired and useless, they will have all graduated from university. I said what I said deliberately because that's our reason. When I'm old now, I'll be very useless. I'll be tired. I won't have money again. God will have retired from being God. He too will have moved to Tahiti. Only Satan and Michael will be running this at that time. So we'll that take care of all those children now. Because by that time, God won't be God anymore. The world gives us what? Desires. So people labor in every day. They want to retire early. People write books that, you know... Thank God for his mercy, so there's no ah no 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 no. Thank God for his mercy. Otherwise, he will have been punishing us every day. Let me say, let me say something to you. Be very careful when you are following people of the world. Be very careful. Listen. If my son has a friend, and they are very good friends, and I see his friend smoking, even ordinary cigar, not even the ganja one, you know, just smoking ordinary cigar. Do you know how I look and say, who is that boy's father? You know that all I will do? Tell him he can't be your friend. He can't come to my house again. That's all. You know? What will I do? Nothing more. <laughs> but if one day I now catch my own picking. I first lock the gate. I wear my knicker. <laughs> I know, but I go first go gym first. <laughs> like one week, carry weight very well. Then buy my blossom gloves. I will box the cigar out of your brain. Why did he not talk? When is your other boy? It doesn't concern me now. Am I his father? What I wanted to say? Look, when unbelievers are teaching you bad things, you will suffer. Are you getting my point? Nothing will happen to them. They will go normally. They will have 10, 10 streams of income, lay up treasure on this earth. They will be happy. They will buy G class, M class, B class, A class. The first second stream of income you collect, the first investment you make, AFC will knock on your door, coco, coco, coco. They saw one money move through your account yesterday, they see your own. They say, come and explain. And they carry to that, 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 that office near our house, that side. They put you inside there for like two weeks. Your lawyer will look for a bill, he won't find. As they're about to grant the bill, judiciary will go on strike. 
No, it's NBA that first go on strike. Nigeria Bar Association, because one policeman slapped a lawyer at one junction in Zamfara. That doesn't cause anybody in Enugu. NBA nationwide will go on strike just to keep you in detention. One month later, then one, one year service, I will now give you radio. You're not tuned to me on radio. What you need is no money. What you need is to do the will of God. We shall, amen, inside the cell. As soon as you say amen, they will release you. You know why. They just post one new EFC boss and you'll be shouting on them. I've told you these boys are not the ones we are looking for. They just release you. <laughs> Remember, interpret your life spiritually. It's not luck. It's God sent release. And you're wondering. But my friends have been doing this for a long time. What concerns the Lord? They are not believers. They are not his children. You, his own child, goes into it. He, he will go and read the story of Jacob. Is, it, is Jacob the first person to supplant in this life? Who was supplanting before Joseph, uh, Jacob was born? This is the first person to be crafty. People were crafty before Jacob was born. Yeah, God finished Jacob. By the time he finished, he broke his leg. Why? Because he said, I will not leave you until... Are you getting my point? God had a plan for his life and he said, I will not leave you until I've executed that plan. So people of God, by the time you are writing books, just check, is this, is this the will of God? By the time you are reading books, I'm going to say, I'm going to tell you how to lay up treasure on the earth. Huh? Look, 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 I say, it's good though, but if I read this book too much, I will disobey Jesus Christ. Say why? He said, do not lay up treasure on the earth. Just take. But look, you need to secure your financial future. See, that's what the problem is. If I believe you now, you will punish me. These people like you do just be poor later. Say, it's better to be poor and be in Christ than to be rich and be in the world. Just leave me alone. In due season. And listen, let me just say something. At such times, turn, kneel down, say, God, I ask you for security for my future. How long was that prayer? Two se- seconds. Say it like that in Jesus' name. Amen. And leave it. He will take care of that future. I just feel like dropping that. Because I found out that many times these days, Christians are so busy imbibing worldly thoughts. And the more of worldly thoughts we imbibe, the less of God we manifest. Listen, true Christianity is radical. It's crazy. True Christianity is a crazy thing. It's crazy. You are going to do things, people will make up. We just look and say, this guy, you are not normal. And anytime people come and tell you that, and what you are doing, you are convinced, you can see it in the word of God. Just know you are made. Just know that, yes, now I'm pleasing God. Because true Christianity is crazy. True Christianity is crazy. You can't be obeying God totally, and you'll be pleasing to everybody around. It's not possible. No, it's not possible. How, how is it possible? The more you obey God, the less you please the average person. You make decisions, you wonder, are you normal? There are things they hold in high esteem. You know, sometimes when I see pastors sometimes and they are talking, I feel bad. That you realize that you are putting worldliness and lifting it up before the people of God. It's not everything you go and be, you know, maybe, you know, you, know, you start making noise about as if money is all ministry is about. 
Those days we didn't have money now. We have an abundance of people. Thank God. You just be, I didn't, you don't know unconsciously what you are doing is that you are elevating money in the eyes of young people. You have to be careful. Sometimes you see pastors elevate culture from the pulpits. They divide Christians. Ah, that's the one I don't understand. They man the pulpit. They bring politics in. By the time the church members are done, they can't be a unit. No matter how much they want to be, they can't be. Pastor will join APC and be campaigning from APC from the pulpit. Meanwhile, half of the church, they are, they, are, they are PDP members. It's true. It's very evil. It's very, very evil. Once you mount the pulpit as a minister of the gospel, elevate Christ alone. Just leave him like that. Elevate Christ alone. That's why, look, campaign, campaigns come and go. You hear me all the time. On, on, on personal notes, all of you know, many of you know me enough, you know the kind of, you know the kind of losing people I vote for a lot. But it's a personal thing. I will never campaign about it from here. How are you supposed to vote? We'll discuss that on what God says about voting. I was on radio, one man says, people like me that are causing the problems in this, in this, in this country. That I don't tell Christians to <laughs> know how to vote. And that's how we are living under their shadow. Are they, who is there? Do you know what the other people are telling their people? Who are the other people? I said, no, if you're you a minister of the gospel, elevate Christ alone. Just leave it like that. Because what happens, a lot of times we elevate the worldliness. And that denies the people of God from experiencing the power of God. The Lord is good. So this point I'm making. As we interact with God, he starts teaching us what we should desire. That's what I'm making. The more you interact with him, that's why I give you sort of BD chambers. Alright? That woman's life, I don't even know which scripture to use. Okay, I have a scripture for it. The Lord gave a word. And great was the company of those that published it. That was, that's where her life fits in scripture that I can see. The destiny of her life. When I'm praying sometimes for myself, there's one scripture I lifted. He said, you know, John says something. I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. So John found himself in the scriptures. I hope you're getting my point. And that's one assignment you have. Look for yourself in the scriptures. Everybody exists inside there. It's for God to open your eyes. John said, I'm the vo-. He said, who are you? Are you this? Are you this? He said, no. Well, then who are you? What do we tell the person that sent, the people that sent us? He said, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. And that's found in the book of Isaiah there. That was John. So once I was praying, praying for myself, I said, Lord, do we understand it now? You said, because everybody is a fulfillment of a word from heaven. Everybody. When Jesus was born, he was a fulfillment of something. The seed of the woman will bruise your head. The moment he was born, that was that word being fulfilled. When it says a redeemer will arise from Zion, that was that word being fulfilled. There are so many scriptures. That's why he took, the Bible says that in that Luke chapter 24, he took them from the law and through all the prophets. He was showing things about himself. The day I realized, ah, yeah, I said, my father, this Bible is full of Jesus. <laughs> what I mean is this. When Nathan went to David and said, you will not build me a house. One that will come out of your bio, your loins will build a house for me. All of us thought it was Solomon. And when Solomon built that temple, we said the word of God was fulfilled. That was not the word of God. Solomon was exercising himself. That was Jesus was speaking about, the son of David. He will build a house not made of brick and mortar. 
a living house, a living temple. Do you know Nathan prophesied it about Jesus Christ? Was when I was reading the book of Hebrews, now said that as he said, I will be a father unto him. Ah, I said, I was talking about Jesus and the body of Christ. Hey, just like Jesus, everybody has a portion in the book. And as life goes on, you will discover a portion. That day I was praying, I said, Lord, the one I understand for now, say, You said, I will give them pastors after my own heart who will feed them with knowledge and with understanding. Say, This one, I lift it. So I use it to pray. I declare it over my life. I hope you are getting my point. That means, listen, if I sit down, I want to write. Is that scripture that has been fulfilled? So my life derives joy mostly. That is, most of the joy I get in life comes from when I see people who were walking in darkness. Who light shone upon because I opened my mouth to speak. I hope you are getting my point. So, when you see my desires, they are created out of that scripture. One major scripture I used to create desires said, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of God as the waters cover the seas. Do you understand my point? That scripture, so every time, we have to expand. So when I'm praying, it's not about self-glory. In fact, these days, if you know, I don't allow anybody to print my face in a poster. If you check all the flowers and posters released these days, you don't see my face inside. I don't, what I'm going to say is that it's not for, it's not for self-glory. But we have to push the word to the, every corner of this earth. So every time God, God sends us resources all the time. Every time he sends resources, we push it further. Every time he sends resources, we push it further. We keep pushing it further. I'm going to bring out something here. So you see, desires are created from scripture, not from the world. The world says you need your house by the time you are this age. Jesus never said so. No, you know, now, like I'm saying, I say all the time, I'm not trying to advocate, although at the end of the day, I end up advocating anyway. But I'm not going to bring something here. People say that, you know why we want two children so we can carry them abroad. I said, you must really be an example of foolishness. That is a Christian saying that the reason why I want two children is so that when they want to go on holiday, you can easily put them inside your briefcase and hold them like this through checking. You know, <laughs> and I look, I said, for goodness sake. You know, I said, you must really be an example of Canality. Listen, what's the name of this man? Pyelton. He had only one child. But for a different reason. For a kingdom reason. Just like Paul did not marry. That was the same reason Pyelton had only one child. He said, there's too much work to do. White man coming into Nigeria wasn't developed. Where will I educate my baby? My babies. I will have to be traveling up and down all the time. It will hinder the work. That was his reason. Not that you see, you have to be able to leave a house for each one of them. By the time he was dying, that his only daughter was a missionary in Kwara State. When the man died, before he died, he told everybody that his death must not waste time. That is, burying him, I wanted to say. Must not waste time. So as soon as he died, they should bury him and go back to work. So when they said the man had died, they called some men. Pastor Yadiboy brought a casket when he was coming. He dropped the casket. He said, what do we do? He said, let's wait for the daughter to come. And then she came from a lorry somewhere. As soon as she arrived, they buried the father. Everybody went back to the various places. Oh, God said, go back to work. There was nothing like for a life well spent. Radio jingle. All ministers all over the nation gathering. Before you knew what was happening, Pyelton had been buried. He told them, 
beforehand. Everybody get back to work. There's a lot of work to do. That's just an aside. So when people sometimes they want to, you know, when they want to make decisions, I say you are not making decisions with desires based on scripture. You are not. Faith is not when you want to grab. One major thing faith does for you is to help. Listen, before you can have faith to collect money from God, you first must have faith to know that money is not God. See, the first thing faith will help you know, faith will help you know, is that I don't need money, I need God. Before God starts giving you resources, you first make sure you understand that the man's life does not consist in the abundance of things which he possesses. Listen, if you are broke, God says, before I give you more money, you must have experience of miracles that only give to broke people. If you escape that place, there's a part of your life you will never experience divine, divine destiny. There's a part of your life that will never experience the power of God. So while you are broke, learn to pray and eat food that ravens delivered. That is, in your broke state, God said, listen, I'm going to send you 2,000 naira. And you are, go- you are going to get results. That you will see the next person testify that they got with the 150,000. It's not like I can't give you 150,000. He said, But I need you to go through a stage in life in which 2,000 naira gets the results that other people are getting with 150,000. If you harass me enough, I will give you the 150. But that miracle is denied you permanently. A time will come. When you will now need something that money cannot buy. But because you are, you are so fixated yourself on I must have money, I must have money, I must have money. And that's the end of it. Listen, there are things I don't like to say eh, because it scares even me. There's one thing Jesus called, it, called the time of your visitation. If you don't learn certain lessons during that time, you never learn them again. And there are lessons you don't learn in life. There's a certain aspect of God you never experience. He's not angry with you. He just will not experience it. It's not like he's angry. He just said, listen, that lesson was supposed to be learned between the time you were 26 and 31. It, only exp- it can only be learned by broke people. So I made you broke. But after three years, you won't let me rest. Instead of you to go and learn your lessons, you refused. So I promoted you financially. And that season of your life, I closed it. So you'll never be a, hundred, a hundredfold person. Labor hard. It's like, okay, like, you know, you're, like you're on campus. You know, there are certain grades you're not making in your second year. That by the time you get to third year, you can never make first class again. Even if you start getting A, 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 A from first year, from third year to the final year. You would ne- that first class has eluded you permanently. Your dean is not angry. In fact, your father is the dean. Your HOD is not angry. After all, he's your uncle. Your supervisor is your elder brother. So everybody's happy with you. From the third year, you've been getting A, 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 A. Fourth year, A, A. Fifth year, A, 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 A. That's the final year. They do your GPA with all the A's. You can only end at 2-1. Why? Because there are certain degrees, uh, uh, degrees you're supposed to have gotten your first year and your second year. That's why we've been quoting it, that the greatest reward for a man's labor is not what he gets from it, but what he becomes by it.
what it becomes. So there are miracles that God says, listen, oh boy, they only flex that spiritual muscle in the time of poverty. I counseled with somebody some time ago. After all the talk, talk, I said, listen, listen, you are trying to solve a spiritual problem through physical methods. Well, it was a financial matter. By the time I heard all the permutations and attempts at you know, balancing money, I said, your problem is spiritual. What is the problem? I don't know. When I say spiritual now, I don't mean that uh, the witches are saying you will not prosper. The witches are saying, no, that's not what I mean. That's not what I mean at all. When I say it's a spiritual problem, what I mean is that your, your concept of money, the need for money, what part material possessions play in your life, how to use money, how to walk by faith. I said those things are your problem. It's not you don't have enough. There are very few people in this life that have ever admitted they have enough. So really, nobody has enough. Physically speaking, financially, no. Let's leave spiritual aspect out. I don't have enough to. No, who has enough? Because if you give me a billionaire and I know what to do with it. So if I don't have a billionaire, maybe I have not done the thing. Even Dangote does not have enough. You know, the higher you go, you start having new ideas. So I told my friend that day, I said, listen. You are trying to solve a spiritual problem with physical manipulation. How do I make more money? How do I earn more money? How do I increase my qualification so I can get another job? I said, no, I haven't listened to the story of your life. My conviction is that the problem you have is spiritual. It's not physical. If, if you like, triple this money. And listen to me. There's something about God. If you harass him enough, if you harass him enough, he will give you what you're asking for. But that thing will never bless you. With that, there's a part of destiny that's permanently closed. Permanently. Why? The lesson you're supposed to learn in that season you will have missed it. So that's why we people of God, we must learn to create desires from God's word. We must learn. That's why Jesus said, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Listen. When we were young those days, when need was all we focused on, what we could get out of God. We said, he said, whosoever we ask whatever. But that was not what he said. First, his, whosoever, he was talking to his disciples. He was not talking to the Pharisees. He was not talking to people, the madman in Gadara, running up and down. He was talking to his disciples. So, whosoever was his disciples. Are you getting my point? That's number one. But also he said, my words have to abide in you first. I hope you're getting my point. That is, if my words abide in you, and you are an Israelite, and you are in the wilderness, you will never, it will never have crossed your mind to ask me for garlic. I don't know whether you are getting my point. If my words were abiding in you, and you are an Israelite, and you are in the wilderness, you will not have asked me for the cucumbers of Egypt. If my words were abiding in you, you will not ask me for meat. My words abiding in you, you will see manna, you will rejoice. You will eat the manna, ah, ah, and the Tastes nice in your mouth. 
When I come to you and say, what do you want me to do for you? You say, Lord, take me into the promised land where my destiny lies. You will not say, Lord, in Egypt, when they serve us food, we know how many courses it be. Our opener used to be this and this and this and that. The main course, dessert, use fruits and sweets. Which one do we like? Those who asked, made those such requests, the word of God was not abiding in them. I hope you're getting my point here. That was why people like Caleb, ah, if the Lord walked up to them, what do you want me to do for you? He said, ah, <laughs> give me a mountain that has giants so that I can demonstrate the greatness of God in taking down giants. And the Lord will say, go, it shall be well with you. Thank you, boys, let's go. That's what he will ask for. You ask Joshua, what can I do for you? Joshua said, you see, according to the words of Moses, I was born to help these people inherit the land. Give me wisdom to share it properly. Let me not be afraid. You remember the words Moses gave to him? He said, be of what? Good courage. Don't be afraid. He said, Lord, take fear away from me. Make me a bold soldier. Let me know what to do. The way you were with Moses, be with me also. It would not have crossed his mind. Say, Lord, give me a nice, a bigger tent where I can sleep. And I want my bed spring in this wilderness. Do you know there are thoughts that are thoughts of joblessness and purposelessness? I, I hope you're getting my point. There are prayer points that just show you are not going anywhere. You are not busy. God comes to me now and says, Bank, what can I do for you? I'll be drawing Lamborghini for him on the wall. Am I alright? Let me tell you the truth. There was a time, now I'm not bragging, okay? But you can hear our recording is clear, right? That our sound is clear. Okay? We didn't spend too much money on it. God gave us a lot of wisdom. But I, I don't know how many of you listen to our messages, you know? People have written us before that. Ah, how do you guys record this thing? It's so clean. The first time, when we were having uh, no, uh, humming problems in our former venue, I went and Caruso Studio was below us. So I went there, talked to Sammy, Pastor A, and people like that. How do I handle this? Story. And there's something called noise gate and noise filter. When I heard all those kind of things, I lost, do you understand? My, my knees gave way. It wasn't even the money. It's like, who will start thinking all these thoughts? But know the truth? I prayed about it all. It was the desire of my heart. God, I, I would listen to some messages crystal clear. I didn't know when God did it for us. For little cost, we came out with clean recording.